You are about to enter a great adventure. And Maddie Q, this one's for you. Hello, and welcome everybody to another edition of Strutting from Gorilla, our 15th episode. I'm your host, the world famous Mango, and we're here as always with our three lords of the ladies, Mikey Cash, Vito, and the leader of men, Bobby Stone. We have a very special show for you this week because after our opening two cents for the first time in the history of Strutting from Gorilla, we're talking about one wrestler only. We're going to be focusing in, laser focus, a deep dive into the storied 30-year WWE career of the Phenom, the Deadman, the American Badass, the Lord of Darkness, and most importantly, the older brother of a mayor of Knox County, Tennessee, The Undertaker. Now, let's get quickly into our two cents. Mikey Cash, you have a remembrance this week. Yes, I do. Thank you, Mango. Uh before we get into all our talk about The Undertaker, I thought we'd be remiss if we didn't talk about the tragic loss of Pat Patterson earlier last week. Uh, you know, Pat Patterson was just a real pioneer in many different ways. I think it's it's almost impossible to list all the things that he did for this business. And, and you know, you could line up all the Hall of Famers and the future Hall of Famers that that have been putting their remembrances of Pat and his impact on their careers out on social media. I know for me, it's really cool to see a guy like him who for years, you know, he's one of the first gay men in wrestling and he had to hide that for many years. Uh, it was really cool to see him be able to, to actually be himself. You know, it was many years too late, but I'm, I'm really happy that he was able to do that in, in terms of his wrestling accolades, you know, for the, the big time WWE fans out there, he is the very first, the inaugural Intercontinental Champion. He won that in a bootstrap match against Sergeant Slaughter. Check it out on the network. Uh, n- nothing much more I could really say except uh, we'll miss you, Pat, and uh, and Godspeed. So I, w- I just want to add to that too, Mike. I mean, Pat Patterson, for me, I'll always remember him as the guy who was part of the Stooges with Briscoe. Right. Um, right. We po- I posted a pretty good clip about when he won the the hardcore championship from him. They had a pretty funny uh, a feud going. And um, I posted it on our, uh, on our um, TikTok page, which is from underscore gorilla. Um, and it got, it got some good comments on there. And I think a lot of people remember him in our generation from those days, but it, like you said, Big it time. stands beyond that. Um, not only was he important in the ring, but it was pretty amazing to see, the support he got from everybody in the wrestling community. Like, I mean, it was clear that he was very influential to a lot of careers. Um, So it's definitely going to be one that hurts, I think for, for a lot of people, but um, yeah, those, those were good remarks. Yeah, totally. He's definitely respected all around the wrestling community. Just like another guy we know, Bobby Stone, the leader of men. Good evening, gentlemen, and happy to be here with every one of you. Uh, And also, uh, I'm not going to continue on the Pat Patterson path, but I, I it would be insulting if I were to say anything else other than that man was man was fantastic gold to the company. But when you talk about gold, you also have to talk about you know something something else that's pretty crazy like uh, our stock. So our stock currently 
is that, and by our stock, I mean, you know, the World Wrestling Entertainment stock at $43.77. It's gone down a point, um, and it will never see $35. So um, when it does, consider consider purchasing it. I think I've missed my turn on buying it about four different times now. So, um, <laughs> the boys, I, five. <laughs> boys, I am looking forward to this match. I, uh, yeah, this match, this, uh, this just, I'm looking forward to your deep match dive too. on it. <laughs> uh, is, I mean, am I going to DDT you again? Anthony I, I mean, listen, that was a fluke. That was a fluke. I, the whole fan, you remember when Taker, remember when Taker lost the streak? That's what happened. Everyone was stunned when you came out and DDT'd me out of nowhere. That's all right. I think we're still trying to trying for that RKO, I believe, too. So, you know, until then. But I am looking for today's uh, today's show. Uh, um, I watched a bunch of documentaries. I'll talk about that later on. But I'll let Matt do his thing. All right, cool. Yeah, I know um, there's a lot to get to today, but we have a little bit of a hot take from our buddy Big Vito. Yeah, so, I mean, I can't not mention this because it was a great week in uh, in wrestling. I mean, 2020, I think this was probably the best moment in all of 2020. The icon. Sting, who I know I love. I don't know about the rest of the people in this podcast, but I love this guy. Okay. I think he's fantastic. And he debuted on AEW this past week and it was awesome. I'll be honest. I wasn't even watching it. I had to get it from Mango, which thank you for letting us know. I immediately turned it on and watched that debut about 10 times because they did a great job with it. They had this whole winter is coming theme which was game of thrones and then all of a sudden he comes out oh it was awesome it was so good and i'm so happy that he's back in wrestling here because i this is my vent for the day this is what i wanted to get off my chest and i'll make it quick and because i i'm really excited about this episode today um but this is my vent okay this is what is wrong with wwe right now they have this legend sting that they brought in and they buried him whether they created him or not, Vince McMahon and the WWE have this thing where they it wasn't it wasn't a WWE product. So they went on and they buried him in WWE. He didn't even win a match. It was awful. It was great to see him on TV. I thought the way he got introduced against Rollins was awesome, but they did nothing with him. He wasted away for four or five years in their in their arms. They could have used him in many different ways. Um, so I'm excited that he gets a last shot here in AEW. I know he's going to be used every week, and I hope they're not going to make the same mistake of using him as a wrestler. Um, but they they can use him as this aura. People love him, right? And it makes WWE look awful because they went and they buried him, and now he's back here, and everyone's got a good chance to see him end his career the right way. So I'm really excited about it. That's my vent session for the day. Um, and let's get into the dead man. Fatality. Sure. Wow. I think we can all agree. Uh, AEW has been on fire lately, Vito. And uh, what a great week it was in the re- world of wrestling. Uh, we do have a lot to talk about with The Undertaker this week. So uh, just to give you a little rundown of what we're going to be talking about. Firstly, we'll start with some trivia. Do we want to start with trivia? Or do we want to end with trivia? Let's end with trivia. 
Yeah, let's end with tree. Hey, before we go on though, there's something I forgot to mention, and I want to get this at the top of the episode, not the bottom. Um, but what she said, "Yeah, of course." <laughs> right? Yeah, boom. Uh, we had a tw- so our Twitter handle, which is from underscore gorilla. All right, we've been gaining followers left and right, and we've gotten some great interactions. And we had a guy who, um, or gen- it could be a woman actually, I don't really know, but we had a person who commented, and it was at Cruy to pay. Okay, and he talked about how he listened to our last episode, and he basically got in a wanted to get in a magazine off because I think he has a better magazine collection than I have. And I mentioned I found all my old magazines, so um, I just want to give him a shout out. He listened to our podcast for the first time, which I think we have a lot of those listeners, and I'm excited. I hope you guys give us a chance and and tweeted us. Uh, we have a Twitter which is from underscore gorilla on the Twitter machine, and then we have a TikTok which is from underscore gorilla on TikTok. So check them out. Check them out. If you have suggestions or you want to tell us how bad we suck, that's fine too. Uh, Vito, to that point, um, and I'll, I'll I'll grab the fans on the other side. Hey, hey, just kidding. But we have um, new friends, new followers, and new um, hopefully uh, continuing uh, continuing on with this next show. It's a brand new bag of listeners. But we have them from Canada. We have them from Ireland. We have them from Sri Lanka. We have them in Germany. Uh, so I just wanted to, to let you guys know that we are not only growing in the States, but we're growing um, slowly but surely. That's what she said. And we yeah. owe that all to our talk and our love for Brett the Hitman Hart. I agree. The man was loved everywhere, and now so will we. HBK is better. According to our poll, it actually ended at a 50 50 so i think we might need to run it georgia style and do a runoff and do it one more time and maybe go uh more than 22 votes let's see if we get some more followers from the uh the new and ever-growing uh from well Gorilla. if we ever get to the main topic of this episode maybe we will that's a good point no let's talk about the uh brad hart versus Shawn michaels uh <laughs> voting thing yeah. like, Next, oh, that's another episode, episode. <laughs> why don't you mention episode. brad hart you can't mention Bret Hart around me, man. Okay, listen. Hey, let's get into. Okay, let's let's just say the Undertaker has had a thirty-year career. He's had huge, huge, different like phases of his career. And his first phase of his career was in the nineties, the early nineties. He came in. He didn't sell for anybody. He was just a real badass. Mikey Cash or Vito, whoever wants to start. Let's talk about the early days of the Undertaker, the early nineties. Well, yeah, I mean, go ahead. Go ahead. Uh, you, you know what? I'm going to let you go. Th- th- thank you, Vito. Thank you. <laughs> That's a first. <laughs> first. Vito giving up the mic. Wow. You witnessed it. Witness history here, folks. Uh, so in terms of the early days of The Undertaker, I thought it was uh, I thought it was really cool, especially watching the Paul Bearer documentary when they talk about how he kind of came on as Undertaker's manager. And and uh, obviously, when he first debuted, he debuted with Brother Love or, or Bruce Pritchard, you know, so, something to wrestle with. I thought it was really cool how, you know, if you watch when Undertaker first came in, that very first entrance at Survivor Series, you could already tell there was an aura about the guy. And that very rarely happens in this business. And so uh, I, I was able to, to get my hands on uh, this old Undertaker DVD called This Is My Yard, which it's kind of like it's very expensive on eBay, but it, it's it's something that 
this documentary uh, where he kind of talks about how the kids were like crying and stuff. And, and you can see the clips of these kids in the audience, like being terrified by this guy. And I just thought to myself, like how, how interesting it was for them to be able to continue to do that. Considering, especially at that time, you know, they were family friendly at that time. They weren't like doing any attitude error type of stuff. They weren't pushing the envelope. So it was really, it, it was kind of wild that, that they would have this idea and continue on with it even when they saw the reactions from the kids. But man, this guy, like you said, he didn't sell. Like he was a legitimate, just dead man. He was rolling the eyes in the back of his head. He was hissing. He's just choking guys. Uh, but you could already tell that he was incredibly athletic. And, and again, it was more so the mystique about him that I think really got him over than any of his in-ring work. Uh, and and to, to kind of speak to that, a, a year later, at Survivor Series, he's beating Hogan for the title. That's that 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 just didn't happen at that point. So uh, I think that that kind of tells us all we needed to know about where he was going. And and you know, obviously the rest is history. But you know, Vito, do you have anything you want to add to that? Yeah, I mean, I thought the Hogan thing was really interesting. We give Hogan a lot of shit on this podcast, and um, rightfully so. But I mean, basically. Mm-hmm. For him to lose to The Undertaker for the title that early in Undertaker's career is pretty interesting. I mean, you don't see him give the title up very much. Um, I don't I don't know really the backstory behind it. I don't know if that he was going and doing a movie or something, so he had to give it up. But um, I thought that that was pretty interesting. I think, quite honestly, that made the character. You know, we talk about people losing and building other characters. Hogan losing was a big deal. You know, and so him to lose to The Undertaker, it only built up that whole dead man character. So I thought that that was really big. But one of the things to go along with that, too, was the um, I guess like because we talk about Hogan, this is a little bit about Hogan. But I guess he kind of made up a story about how The Undertaker hurt him with uh, his pile driver at that pay-per-view and ended up getting the title back. And Taker, Taker's pretty I think Taker was pissed about it. And he talks about it all the time now. So um, I'm kind of curious. But Hogan's that that. That was the golden boy at that time. So um, I, I just thought it was interesting. And I, I really think that's why, Ho- why uh, Taker doesn't like Hogan uh, b- basically because of that. So, but I, to your point about Paul Bearer too, I, if there's no Paul Bearer, there's really no Undertaker. He, he was 50, 50% or more of the reason the Undertaker succeeded and everything they did was just great. And, and Paul Bearer, if you, if you watch that documentary, he had the mortician. It is really, really good. It, it brought more light into Paul Bearer. I, did not realize how much of an influential person he was. And I, I, he made, he made the undertaker. Um, yeah. I, I won't go into it too much, but that, that was really big. Um, the other thing about his early career too, was everyone forgets about this, but the mask, right. When he had that mask and he did, what happened was he was in a match with um, Mabel, uh, who was viscera later on in his career. And he did a leg drop. He botched it and it broke takers orbital bone. So he's out of action. But even when he was healed, they made him wear that mask, which Made him kind of look like the Phantom of the Opera, <laughs> you know. Hey, uh, it was a it was a nice added element to him. The more theatrics for for someone like him, it fit him perfectly. It really did. I I didn't mind it at all when I was a kid. All I knew was the mask. Um, but it was interesting because in 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 Undertaker's early days, he, they would always put him in with these big guys that you know kind of sucked. And I don't think that was his. I don't think you that mean, that was his mo. Do you mean like the Giant Gonzalez at WrestleMania Nine? I do. Okay, that match sucked, but I will say one of the coolest moments is when he chokes out, when the Undertaker's getting choked out and, and Paul Bearer just holds the urn and he just like pops up. It was just one of the coolest moments. That 
and that entrance yeah. was badass with that bird scared the shit out of me so good but it, but it wasn't it wasn't uh gonzalez who made the match it was taker and the thing is taker's best matches are with smaller wrestlers if you look at all of his matches they're his best matches are with smaller wrestlers i mean kane did a good job i'll get into that later but um the the mask thing was interesting because it led to the whole fake undertaker do you remember that one where they had a second mm-hmm. undertaker ted dibiase brought him out I mm-hmm. do, guys, I remember that, and that was like one of my, one of my favorite times in The Undertaker's career. And that brings us to like a, a funny question. I want, I just want to get you guys' opinion on this. So, so you have a guy playing The Undertaker, right? And The Undertaker is obviously a gimmick. You can put it on anybody, like like Diesel, whatever, whatever. But uh, could any like could anyone have done The Undertaker better than Mark Calloway or even close? Absolutely not. I'm gonna I'm gonna jump in on this one for for a second. Um, that build of the character, there was a lot with Bruce Pritchard and the rest of creative diving in to start up the Undertaker, but it was the Undertaker and Mark Calloway alone who actually built and took the concept and made it the reality that we know and love today. That coincided with Paul Bearer and helping develop. I, I I think the creative and the collaborative to get everybody to build onto what the Undertaker was huge. But the only person who can execute it and deliver it the best way possible was Mark Calloway. I would agree there. Uh, my my unpopular opinion here, though, I do think someone else could have played the Undertaker. I don't think it would have lasted as long as the undertaker lasted though. I think you could have had someone step in and do that gimmick for a couple of years, even the first five years and get away with it and give you about 90% of what the undertaker gave you. But it's the years after that, that made the undertaker so great. I agree with that. I totally agree with that. There, yeah. Nobody else oh, no. pulled that off, but, but no. Yeah. Agreed. A hundred percent agreed. Cause he morphed his character, which is basically what we're talking about now with the three decades of destruction. But to, to go back, I have a question for you guys to, because we were talking about the fake undertaker who played the fake undertaker, Brian Lee. It was his cousin. <laughs> it was Brian Lee. Very good. It was. And he played him for, uh, I think it was, you know, they, they had that feud going on for a little bit. Um, but it, it uh, it wasn't really a great feud. I mean, it's kind of stupid when you see two characters of the same thing going at each other. It was cool for like a one-off, but you keep going on and it just drew, drew it out. But let me ask you this question. who, What other character did Brian Lee play in WWE? I have no idea. Who did he play? Chains. Chains from the um, Disciples of... Di- no, not Disciples of Destruction. The, uh, the Biker Disciples game. Disciples of Apocalypse? We- yeah, no Cycles, yeah, yeah, he was Chains in there. Um, so there you go. <laughs> Funny one. Great. So not, not, not a podcast unless you've got a DOA reference in here. Uh, we've mentioned them probably way too many <laughs> times. Way, way too, like the <laughs> <third> time. Yeah. <laughs> it's terrible. Do you want to mention that movie again? What's it called? <laughs> Suburban Suburban Commando. Commando. Whatever. Yeah. <laughs> so Cash, what do you think about okay, so we got we we've gone up to basically 95. Okay. We we should have written this shit because we're like we, we could have we were nine. I mean, I was like yeah. nine. Vito was like four. Uh, <laughs> he's younger than me. I, I yeah, I hate to, yeah, hundred percent right. Sorry. Uh, so we we moved to I guess the Prince of Darkness phase. Oh yeah, it, it, that was kind of interesting. So like 
that kind of came about, or at least I think the seeds of it started getting planted probably in like 96. Cause in 96, he undertaker has this feud with mankind. And during that whole feud, that's when Paul bear turns on the undertaker and he sides with mankind. And you see during that to like, you know, they have this great rivalry kind of going through and, and, and it kind of leads up to undertaker eventually by somehow gets uh, the, the championship uh, in what 97. And then he loses it to Bret Hart. We don't need to get into that, but <laughs> the real Prince of Darkness, I, I think, really takes a turn here when we get the introduction of Kane. You know, Paul Bear starts coming out with all these vignettes and talking about how Kane is alive and he's coming for him. Then cue Bad Blood, October 1997, Kane debuts. That's when I really feel like we started getting depth to The Undertaker because for so long he operated under Mystique and nobody knew much about him. Now we started to get something. So you got to think from 1990, now the 1997, we're finally getting some backstory to the fucking guy. It's amazing because it, again, like we're talking about, nobody else could have really pulled that off to maintain our attention, maintain our investment until we're getting more of the story. And again, to Glenn Jacobs credit, to Kane's credit, it worked really well. And it was something that they continued to go through throughout the years. But you know, from 97 through 98, they're feuding with each other. We see the first ever Inferno match, which by the, their, uh, the conversation, the Brothers of Destruction documentary that they had on the network, it sounds like it was pretty terrifying <laughs> because they had no practice whatsoever in sort of like maneuvering in a ring with fire around them. I, I mean, I, I would be terrified. I don't know about you guys. I, I couldn't do that. But I think that's that feud was really what propelled him into this like whole Prince of Darkness. And then he eventually gets the ministry. So it's getting these acolytes. And, and the way he kind of looked at it was he wanted to get people that needed TV time. And I thought that was really cool. So it was almost a way to put people over by getting association with The Undertaker. So you're getting by proxy, then you're getting you know time with Triple H, you're getting time with Rock, you get like all these kind of big names at that time in 98, 99. And, and then obviously with Vince kind of getting folded into the mix as you know, the leader behind all the ministry, which I'm sure that's how Vince actually sees himself, but that's, that's another podcast. Yeah, no, that's that you, you put it perfectly. I, I I'll never forget though, the Prince of darkness phase when it first started, you mentioned mankind. I'm pretty sure undertaker got buried alive. He did. And then, yeah. And then, but then he came down from the rafters with this new outfit and it was this more sinister devilish yeah. look rather than a dead man look. So I, I thought it was pretty cool. But the thing about Kane, which is really interesting is that undertaker and Kane met before they even went in WWE. It was years before and he, undertaker loved the guy. He thought he was great. He had this, he could work in the ring. He was a big guy. He just had horrible gimmicks and was true up until Kane really. Um, but I thought it was awesome. And they, the, the hell in the cell was really invented for Kane. Like it was really about Kane coming in and being able to get into the structure that no one was supposed to be able to get into and make him look like this guy that could actually beat the undertaker. And they did a great job. They, they really did. And week after week, you know, Kane would beat people on, on raw and just come out and choke slam them because he wanted to face the undertaker and the undertaker for the first time, like you said, he showed a little bit of emotion. It wasn't a lot, but it was enough to be like, okay, he's not just a dead guy anymore. He's a guy that actually has a backstory, like you said, but he gave these looks that were perfect 
it was still Undertaker, but it, it gave you the sense of feeling for him. And I, mm-hmm. I, I loved it. I loved it. Yeah. But I, I don't want to downplay Mankind's, uh, you know, feud with him too, because Mankind did a great job. Uh, Mick Foley did a, a really great right. job working against him. So um, it, it was awesome. Um, yeah. And I know we'll get into some matches later, so we can keep moving along. They had such a crazy uh, um, feud, Mankind and The Undertaker, for like the, the boiler room brawl, all the stuff. It was crazy. Awesome. Mm-hmm. So what ha- I'm trying to remember, because you guys seem to have like photographic memories about this shit. Um, so The Undertaker disappears or something at some point. He got hurt. Oh, he got yeah. Hurt. He had like a groin injury or something. And yeah. He left in like September 1999, and then he comes back in like May. During the Iron Man match with Rock and Triple H, yep. is is that when he came back as the American Badass, mm-hmm. which was just even further development of the character? Yeah, and it was almost like so. Just to start you guys off, I guess I would say that the Undertaker was. It was almost like they gave they made him like a real person when we found out that he had like murdered his parents by accident through a fire, mm-hmm. and he had a real brother. So then it became like, you know, I'm no longer like depressed and i'm not like the prince of I, this is the way i saw it as a kid yeah. i'm no longer depressed i'm no longer like the prince of darkness i'm just like a fucking badass i'm the american badass and i drive a motorcycle and you know what i'll just drive it to the ring and drive around one time and get out and then go in the ring your titan motorcycle yep. that's and come out to limp biscuit and kid rock oh man I I I can't stand Kid Rock, but so that was not fun. But Limp Biscuit, I was all behind. Yeah. I was all behind Limp Biscuit. Damn right you were. Damn right you were. But but so so Mango, to your point about him, I think a lot of us, especially at the time, we were all like, well, why why the fuck is he coming out like that? Like, was he coming out in jeans and just like a trench coat? And and listening to a couple of interviews that that he had, and then like I guess just using like context of the wrestling world at that time, like I, I guess in a way, as much as we love the Undertaker and and all that, I think at that specific period of time, from like ninety seven to like two thousand, you might have almost considered his character to be like in the passe type of realm because WCW at that time was trying to do a lot more reality based stuff. You know, people were coming out to their actual names. You know, like. Razor Ramon was coming out of Scott Hall and it was just Kevin Nash now. So I think in, I think in some way he was trying to inject a little bit more of that reality into the character. In addition to uh, wanting to still be familiar to the fans, he wasn't going to try to come out. I think as somebody that none of us would even recognize, but I think he also wanted to maintain a little bit more closer to his actual personality, which he's not legitimately sacrificing people and praying to the devil. So <laughs> he was trying to he was trying to be take a little bit more grounded approach, but uh, but also maintain an authenticity to the character he had developed for over 10 years. So I, I think it was a real I, it was a hard adjustment. I think I, at the time, I, I don't think I really thought about it. I was like 13 and I was like, oh, OK, cool. He comes out on a bike now instead of walking around with druids. Great. But I I, I the one thing that I couldn't get over was he stopped using the tombstone. And I remember when they when WWF put this like weird ban on pile drivers for some reason. Um, well, I guess I guess I know the reason because Draws and uh, Stone Cold both got their necks broken, and only one of them was able to be walking afterwards. So I get I get why they did that. But it was cool to see him start using a power bomb. I guess, but I did miss the tombstone for a long time. Yeah, no, I I agree with you, Mike. Um, I 
I also think he did it because it's 10 years of the same character. You know what I mean? And it was time for a change. Like you can't keep that character for 10 years. People evolve. And I think the big evil gimmick, the American badass, I, I, I hated it at the time. Cause I was a traditionalist. I loved the mm-hmm. stuff that was the same. I hated it. Absolutely hated it. Uh, but I look back on it now and I think it was a necessary thing to do. I really do because um, it was a whole different version of the undertaker. It fit him perfectly. And at that point, I'm not going to say he's late in his career, but he's definitely past the, the, the important stages of his career. And he started putting people over too. you know, like Randy Orton was a big one. You know, he put Randy Orton over and, you know, you have to have a lot of respect for the undertaker for doing stuff like that. Um, what made Undertaker great throughout his whole career to me is that he's a guy that didn't need a title to be, to have a good career. <laughs> you know, he didn't. And, and, and so that just goes to show you like this guy's willing to do what's best for the business. He sees something in Randy Orton. He's going to put him over. And he did yeah. it for guys like Jeff Hardy too. I, and I mean, to your, I, I just, I apologize for interjecting, but I, I have this note here of like from 2000 to 2003, which is basically as long as that American badass gimmick lasted for him. So, it starts out with he comes back and then he immediately gets into this like little program with Kurt Angle. Like it, it eventually it, it's inevitably like a squash to, to Angle, but still gives Angle the rub for working with The Undertaker. And then and we know where Kurt Angle's career went out uh, later on that year. He throws Rikishi off the hell in a cell, <laughs> which is just another crazy moment uh, and just living up to, to his I'll make you famous uh, uh, moniker that he had. Then he has. Uh, if it wasn't for Rock and Austin having the barn burner that they had in the main event, his match with Triple H at WrestleMania 17 was a show stealer. It was unreal. It was so good. Yeah. Uh, then we go to, so then he turns heel, right? He has this whole thing with the Brotherhood of Destruction, the invasion angle, yada, yada, yada. Bottom line, he turns heel. 2002, Maven, the fucking tough enough winner, eliminates him from the Rumble. That's a big rub, man. Yeah. That's a big one. I mean, he beats the shit out of him for like two months after that. But still, it's great. And like you said, the RVD matches, Jeff Hardy, the ladder match, like the Orton thing. He's the first major fucking feud for Brock Lesnar coming out of his title win over The Rock. That's a big move. I mean, I know that I, I think at the time we all hated that badass gimmick. But this guy that I, I think he did some of his best work during that time. Not to mention in 2003, sorry, this quick aside, he has a really great match with John Cena. And I think when you look at that and then you look at what they had at WrestleMania 34 that some sometime later, like you think to yourself, man, what could have been in a really missed out? No, I, yeah, I couldn't agree with you more on that, man. You're 100% correct. I think for me, I thought that that was going to be the twilight of Undertaker's career, but yeah. it wasn't, right? No, it was not the end of his career. He ends up going on for 10 years later, you know? <laughs> he got buried, and like you said, he resurrected himself again. And so it was it in 2003, he has that, that buried alive match with Vince, and then Kane comes out, which makes perfect sense that it would be Kane. And he buries him, and then we go to WrestleMania 20, and he, like, resurrects the, the, the whole Phenom gimmick, but with, like, a Walker, Texas Ranger kind of... Uh, tinge to it i I don't know i i hated the hat when he first came back i gotta admit i couldn't get past that hat for a while but but he perfected it over the years no you're right what was the hat what was the hat like i don't remember it was just like it looked like an actual cowboy hat and i was like it was like a cowboy hat what is he doing are you talking about the one he wears now 
No, the one he wears now, I think, is fine. Oh, I know the one you're talking about. Yeah. What he had was pretty legitimately like a, like a, what is it, a Stetson? Is it Cowboy hat? Yeah. Wow. Who did he face at Mania 20? Was it Kane? Kane? Yeah. One of the coolest moments was at that 03 Rumble. Kane is in the ring and like the countdown for the Rumble's going. And it was like, eh. And then all the lights went out and you just hear the boom. And everybody went crazy. Because at that point, it's been like three years since they heard it. So it was it was pretty cool. They brought it back. Yeah. And, so and then, then Chapo Guerrero comes out. <laughs> I don't let down. <laughs> so there's, there's like, so from WrestleMania 20 to WrestleMania, I don't know what, like 26, he's kind of full time, right? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I'd say so. And he has those unbelievable matches with Shawn Michaels at WrestleMania which are, uh, you know, de- uh, career-defining for anybody else. I mean, they are for him, but think about all the people he's he's had feuds with going back. Hogan, Warrior, Kamala. Don't forget Kamala. He's Can never did he, I think he died recently. Yeah. But anyways, uh, when did he kind of transition to going just once a year? So I think a lot of it, uh, you know, he was kind of, I, I, to me, it seemed like he was dwindling down his career, but what saved his, um, what saved his career, I think was the streak, you know, it became this larger than life thing. Quite honestly, a lot of the times I watch WrestleMania in between the, like the 2010s when he became the phenom, right. Part of his career. It, it was because I wanted to see the streak. Honestly, I hated a lot of the WrestleManias, you know, in between, and and but seeing him wrestle every year, it just became this organic thing that he, he didn't even know about. It. Let me ask you guys a question: Do you know who his first victory was at WrestleMania? Who was his opponent? Jimmy Snuka. Come on, yeah, damn right it was Jimmy Snuka. I wrote the book on Undertaker trivia. Come on, yeah, you're right, you're right, you're right, you're right. <laughs> like you're one... trying to steal his gimmick. You know? <laughs> That's my uh... gimmick, man. I have questions. That's why I know all this stuff. I looked it up earlier. Um. I remember like, going to Bobby Stone's house in Melrose in 2012 and watching WrestleMania. I think it was 28. Do you remember this, Bobby? Uh, it was Undertaker versus Triple H the second time, I think. It was in the Hell in a yeah. Cell. Fantastic match that was. But didn't you think, fantastic match. Didn't you think he was kind of losing a step back then? Oh, of course. He was losing a step for a couple of years. But yeah. he was but still I, able to... to keep those matches going and and he had he, he was able to keep like a consistency of quality in his matches so even though he was coming in once a year and, and i think that that documentary the last ride kind of speaks to it like he started feeling the pressure of like every year he's like i gotta get like ready i gotta get up yeah. for it gotta make sure it's the right opponent and make sure that i'm i'm delivering that that caliber of match well the second half of that and to your point um mikey cash is that cycle of of age and mother nature creeping up on them so you're having one massive match a year on the grandest stage of them all two days later you're going into surgery yeah on some sort of body part that's going to need a major surgery orthopedic surgery needs a repair so not only are you going in for your your cycle is now wrestlemania surgery rehab conditioning for mania that was his that was his cycle for a little while and that in of itself was difficult for him because he needed to take you know 
ring rust was real. The reason why he was bruising up as much is because he wasn't taking those those bumps on a nightly basis, so he wasn't callousing as much. Yeah. And the age was creeping up on him. And right. but he loved what he did. So when you you were talking about the last ride, I loved every ounce of that documentary. Um because for twenty seven years that mystique is what we loved about about the player, about the Undertaker, right? Yeah. So you never really got a full glimpse into what the other side was in the Mark Calloway. And to hear what you know who he was backstage as you know you hear about wrestlers court um you hear about uh just how he he was that that man who everybody seeked out for advice if you were ever so lucky to get the advice from him if you got that blessing from him, you know you were on something so um i think there were plenty of wrestlers who didn't get the creed but then there were plenty more that actually um, that got that blessing. And I think one of the, the biggest uh, biggest components uh, of that respect was uh, the Undertaker Cena match where um, I believe you were there, uh, Mikey Cash. Was I that was. in New Orleans? Yeah, that was in New Orleans where he like he, just squashed Cena. About how how minutes. was it in that crowd? How how did how did that feel watching? I I I I I feel bad saying this, but the fan a lot of the people in the audience, including myself, were like, "Wait, that's fucking it!" Because there was all this, there was a lot of buildup going into that year's WrestleMania, and I think a lot of people wanted to see that match with Undertaker because I mean, at the time, we were always armchair quarterback saying, hey, if this is going to be Undertaker's last match, who should it be against? And I think Cena was uh, a very logical person for them at the time because even at that point, like Roman Reigns, they they didn't see him as... I think us as fans didn't see Roman Reigns as like worthy to be the Undertaker's last match. But, But Cena, on the other hand, had sort of earned that legacy status, and I think people wanted that. So... As as cool as it was, like the fans, were, like we went crazy for him when he came out. But we, when we, when people started seeing where where it was actually going, we were like, "Wait, what?" Like he's just squashed, just like squashed him, tombstone. See you later. I was like, "Oh, oh!" So they just made Cena like Pete Rose, like they just <laughs> they just tombstone him and see you later, and you know send the fans home happy and and. Again, I feel bad because like I just I wanted to like it more than I did. And I think a lot of people feel the same way because it it, it could have had much more potential than than the way they executed it. I think I think you're right. I think the reason they did it though was because they hated the way that he went out or he hated the way he went out with uh Roman Reigns. Yeah. So they need to make him look like the phenom. And right. and and they succeeded in that. I just to me that's when you they know, stopped trusting him, I think. Well, yeah, because it is. They didn't it, give him any time. It they, was, they, they didn't trust him to, to go out and do the barn burners. Anymore. No, it they was. all what happened when they give him 25 minutes. Right, yeah, it was Lesnar. The loss to Lesnar, like, it not only ended the streak, but truthfully, it, they should have just ended Undertaker's run there. 
you know, and used him in a different manner, in my opinion. I mean, I, I don't, I wouldn't have chosen him to lose against Lesnar, and apparently he didn't want to either. I mean, we talked about this a couple episodes mm-hmm. ago, I think, so I'm not going to get into it, but I, I hated that. I would rather have seen them put over someone who needed it, like like they talk about. Um, and I also just, like, it, to me, that he got hurt that match. He didn't remember half of it. He was in the hospital afterwards. Like, it just needed to end there. And so, yeah, like, do you, did Undertaker go too long? In my opinion, yeah. He did. Yep. And and yep. it did, does it really hurt his legacy? No. No it doesn't, but he doesn't have that fairy tale ending that I feel like he wanted. And I think it was yeah. right there at that moment the Lesnar thing that really killed it. I agree with that. 100%. Yeah. They could have done it very differently. Yep. I feel like. I mean, we talk about him having his best matches with smaller guys. And they throw him in there with with Lesnar, and I mean, I know they fought, they had matches before, but that was just a, it was kind of crazy. Um, so he went too long. We'll all agree on that, I think, right? Yeah, I Agreed. think so. Yep. Oh, I've been calling for his number for for years now because I loved the Undertaker, I and I loved that mystique. But then what we all saw, and everybody who 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 was watching wrestling for the past 15 years could see that it was, it was time. So the other thing, before we wrap this up and get into the, 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 the matches here, um, I just want to say, you know, the one thing that really disappointed me was the, and we posted about this on Twitter was there, there was an article talking about sting and how he wanted to do a cinematic match with the undertaker. And I dude, the minute I saw AJ styles, I texted you, Mike and said, they need to do a Sting Undertaker cinematic match. Like this would be awesome because they're both past their mm-hmm. prime. Cover up their yep. mistakes. Like this would be perfect right now. Should have happened years ago, in my opinion, and it would have been a great match. But the cinematic match would have been awesome. But Vince McMahon just didn't want to do it. So these guys talking about, and I'm not going to vent on WWE here, but this this goes into my point at the beginning. Like they easily could have done that match in a cinematic style, and it would have been awesome. But Vince McMahon just said, no, nope, didn't want to do it. Didn't think it was cool. But yet. The entire wrestling fan base has been clamoring for it for years. And you want to listen to your fans. It's that stuff that drives me crazy. And I would have, you end his career on a match like that. That would have been awesome. Yeah. I, I, I mean, I, 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 nothing more to really add to that. I, I think you could, when you listen to Undertaker on that last ride documentary, talk about his final match with AJ and how that, it, I, I get the sense that he's a man who's kind of resigned that it's sort of, this is how it ended. This is how it was. And, and I, I feel as though he's in my professional opinion, he's actually trying to convince himself that this, this was a good thing. This ended the way he wanted it to. And I mean, I get it. We all do that, right? We have thing, we have expectations for the way we think things are going to go and then it doesn't go that way. So what do we do? Do we keep holding on too long or do we eventually have to say, okay, well, this is how it was. I have to accept it. I don't have to like it, but this is the way it was. Yeah. Well, I also think he he ended HBK's career in the best way you could end it. Like it was yeah. so good. And he's like, Who I want, want that? that. Like, I want that. I just did it for this guy. Someone's gonna do it for me, you know. Uh Shawn Michaels came back in Saudi Arabia. Don't forget yeah, right. the worst. The worst. And landed on his head. <laughs> worst match of all time. I don't know how he didn't break his skull open. No, um, but you you think awful for those guys in that match doing that match because you know they nope. wanted to to pop yeah, you don't. 
I don't feel I don't bad know. either. They made a shitload of money, man. <laughs> I don't feel that bad. I don't feel I mean, that it, bad because because you could have said no. And well, that but, and that's where I think with him going on too long, this became the problem. The whole documentary is about him saying, I don't want to become a parody of myself. And yet there's there's a level of like ego here that he was he was feeding into. And I think that that's what got him into trouble. This is what happened. That match, the match with Goldberg, it was just like it was a train that match with Goldberg. And all because he just wanted to he just wanted to check things off his bucket list. And listen, I'm all for that. But you have like the, the, he wasn't accepting where he was at that time. And this was the result of that. This is what happens when you try to force it. But was it but was it partially Vince McMahon? Oh, I'm sure because he wanted because he there was we could have a whole nother podcast about the issues with their Saudi Arabia contract. But the bottom line is he wanted eyes on that product. He wanted eyes on that show. He wanted asses in the seats. And so he knows that that fan base over there has never seen any any matches with The Undertaker or Kane or DX for that matter. So he thought I could just trot out these old dudes and they'll just cheer for him, which they did, by the way. And it, it, it will be fine. And and I guess on paper, you could think these are four guys who are seasoned veterans. They're going to know how to work a match, even if it's not crazy, you know, 2020 style. But the problem is they tried to work 2020 style. So stop doing that. Well, you can't go. There is <laughs> no such thing as going half speed, right? There's no such thing as going half speed. So, well, if, that, if gonna... I, I don't agree with that. There, you can go half speed. That's the whole point of psychology in a match: is you have to slow down tempo. You can't just be running around fucking diving and stuff. But anyway, I'm going on a tirade, and we got to get to some matches here. Yeah, too. let's Sorry. let's get to them. Let's get to them. We're getting so deep in the weeds. <laughs> I love it. Though. I, got, I got heated. I'm really sorry, <laughs> Mike. Don't I get me love it. <laughs> don't get mikey started on saudi arabia and working too fast okay let's <laughs> talk about our favorite matches who wants to go first i'll, I'll go first here um I'll, I'll be kind of brief i mean we've, we've talked about his career a lot but we talked about mankind uh, my favorite matches uh is uh undertaker and mankind and what's funny about the undertaker is in a lot of matches he gets credit for some of these matches but realistically he was the one that that did all the damage. He didn't have to take any bumps in this crap <laughs> yeah. and which is great. But it, I mean, I don't know how you get so lucky to be able to do that, but mankind took an absolute beating at the hand of the undertaker. And this match, uh, I, listen, it, I remember it happening and I, I was just in shock. I didn't watch ECW at that time. I didn't see any of this stuff. And this was right around that time. And all of this hardcore stuff. I mean, seeing him get thrown off the, 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 um, the hell in the cell onto the table. I thought the guy was dead. I mean, watching it, I thought he was dead. Then he keeps going, okay? And he gets thrown through the the, the top of the hell in the cell, which, what the hell? Like, I I, I was in <laughs> shock, dude. And I listened to The Undertaker, it wasn't supposed to happen. So, like, that's even crazier. It's just, the, if you look at it, you can see the rings on the top of the cage just, like, collapse. It was nuts. And then he gets thrown on, on thumbtacks. Like, this guy, I honestly, his career ended that day. Like no, no question in my mind. And I just thought it was an awesome match. And I, a lot of credit goes to the undertaker too. I mean, I know he did the majority of the, the, the easy work kind of in that, but he did such a good job selling that role. Um, and he was so athletic and he was able to do things that were, that was awesome. And mankind made him in that. He absolutely made him in that. So I, that was one of my matches. Um, I just thought it was awesome. I loved every second of it. And they try to repeat that type of stuff. You, you look at it all the time with people jumping on the cages and, 
it'll never compare to that. It was awesome. Um, and then my other one was HBK vs. Taker at Mania. Um, I mean, I, this has to be up there. It just you watch those matches, and it was so awesome. You're you're watching this guy who hadn't lost versus a guy who was trying to end the streak, and then it was career versus streak. Like the it, the streak became the really cool thing to watch for WrestleMania, like I mentioned. And I, I was invested, you know, as a 25 year old man, I was invested. Like, and it was the first time I'd been invested in wrestling for a while because I love this streak. Um, and, uh, I, I just thought it was awesome. I thought they put on such a great match and all the matches with Undertaker and HBK were pretty good. So those were my two. Nice. Well, uh, I will preface my two matches by saying mango, you were right about something you said about a lot of Undertaker, like a lot of Undertaker's great matches were against some smaller guys. I think Mankind is an exception and Kane, but like some of the smaller guys, because the two matches I have are Undertaker versus Kurt Angle from No Way Out in 2006. I just watched this again this morning and holy shit, these guys put on a clinic. Good and to be, to be honest, for for Angle being the smaller guy and arguably the underdog in that match, he actually dominates the Undertaker throughout the entirety of that match. Uh he starts working the leg, which is just natural for a smaller guy working a big guy. Uh, also fits Angle's MO because he's working towards the ankle lock. And you just, th- this whole match is actually the story of Undertaker's sort of resiliency and how I actually think that this, this match is Undertaker taking uh, Kurt Angle for granted. I think he, he kind of sees him as someone who's not as imposing as he actually is and not as not as resourceful as he was because throughout that match angle shows it through multiple counters into getting into the ankle lock. He, he counters the tombstone into the ankle lock at one point and it's, it's really great to see. Um, and angle actually ends up winning that match. So I think that's, that's kind of cool. Uh, my next match is undertaker versus Bret Hart. And it's not their SummerSlam match. Cause I felt that SummerSlam match had too much focus on, uh, Shawn Michaels as the referee and fuck Shawn Michaels. So, Undertaker versus Bret Hart from One Night Only in 1997. It was like a UK pay-per-view that they did. And it's actually known for the big British Bulldog HBK match, uh, their European Championship match. But this is, I think, a much better Bret and Undertaker match. It's similar in style to how to what I was just talking about with Kurt Angle and The Undertaker. In that it's a smaller guy, a technician who's kind of working a body part trying to methodically break down the undertaker and it's the undertaker's power and, and athleticism. That's just kind of propelling him uh, throughout that match. And obviously it's Brett being Brett. He's one of the greatest to ever do it. Uh, my only issue with it is that it ends in a disqualification, but a really, really solid match between these two, which we should expect at this point. And uh, I have many more matches in my queue, but those are the two that really stand out. Mango. I just want to apologize. Um, I, did not realize that you had uh, some matches that I already talked about. So I apologize. I didn't realize that either. I just threw them on, but uh, <laughs> <laughs> you suck. I, I know. I feel like <laughs> no. I always take your thunder and I didn't even realize it. And we have us all written up and everything. I'm sorry. What? I just, I just want to apologize. Give us some trivia. <laughs> yeah, I, I, know. <laughs> uh, I think Bobby stone has some serious takes right now that he wants to give us. Yeah. I'm excited. Strap in. Let's go. Gentlemen, the year was 2002. By God. By God. Vengeance is the pay-per-view. 
Uh, so I just want to set the stage for you real quick. Uh, this was supposed to originally be Taker versus The Rock um, for the Undisputed Championship. Rock is at the uh, King of the Ring. It's actually Taker versus uh, Triple H. The and- game. <laughs> <laughs> and Taker uh, ends up winning the match dis- uh, in spite of Rock's interference into the match. So here comes Vengeance, and it's supposed to just be these two. But in a botched match in on SmackDown, it's Kurt Angle versus Taker for a uh, championship belt as well. And Taker is actually getting the three count in the middle of a submission match, uh, in the middle of uh, Kurt Angle's submission hold, rather. Uh, there was a pin, and you guys should should check check it out. I'll see if I can get the clip. But um, Taker ends up tapping at the same time the three count gets landed. So great ending. Here you have Vince making an announcement that at Vengeance you're going to have a triple threat between these three. Um, when I was looking back through kind of kind of the options, I mean, you have a 30 year catalog, and this is where quick side tangent. The WWE Network needs to start cataloging matches by wrestlers. Because um, I want to just watch one wrestler's full catalog. I want to be able to do it. But Earl Hebner, gentlemen, is the referee for this this match, okay? Earl the, the very, Earl's my guy. Then you have um, Rock and Taker trying to throw bows. And you've got Kurt Angle jumping up and down. So you have, you got the humor of, of the match. You got the athleticism from all of the guys. But most importantly, you have everybody using each other's special maneuvers, finishing maneuvers. And you have counters going back and forth to the point where Angle uses the rock bottom. Rock uses the ankle lock. Rock lands the people's elbow on Taker, and then Taker ends up using the angle slam at some point. Angle's getting the snot literally beaten out of him, as well as his forehead just gushing blood, right? And so, back and forth, the whole match, I I, I say that the imagery and the execute, execution of the match is of each one of those wrestlers at the peak of their careers. And I said the peak, even for the American badass. All right. Mm-hmm. Because this wasn't the taker. This was a badass ever match. Amen. Um, so I thought it was a blast. It's definitely worth the rewatch. Taker ends up losing to the rock, which not only is telling of how Taker really was the locker room guy, he he loved what what was best for business he was willing to do rock ends up getting the undisputed championship and is the first uh mike you can help me out on this one i think he was the the f- he had the most championship wins at the time well we talking about rock yeah, rock at the time yeah he became a seven time champion well you always have rick flair 16 but rock was up there he got, so, his, he got his seventh title win that time. It was pretty awesome. I was so, happy about it. 
I I I tried to speed that up for time, and I know I still took forever. So uh, Dude, I just yeah, think it's huh? it's worth the watch, and it's a great match to to check out. Yeah, I so, vaguely remember it. I'm gonna have to go back and it, watch that. Here. It's one of the best triple threats I yeah ever. It's, I believe it's it. just, there's such great chemistry between the three of them, and so Bobby, great choice. Yep. I mean, I went from laughing my balls off to to doing the oh my gods to the this is awesome chance. I mean, mm-hmm. it, it was it was a fantastic roller coaster, yeah. and I definitely recommend anybody rechecking that one out. Yeah. Yeah, so uh, I'm going to forego my matches. I'm just going to review what we have so far. And then there's one more match I want to talk about, and I'm going to steal Vito's Thunder real quick. <laughs> so uh, You're allowed. I'm allowing it. <laughs> so you got – okay, so you have legend- so many legendary Undertaker matches. Mankind Undertaker, um, Undertaker, HBK, Kurt Angle, Bret Hart, the triple threat match at Vengeance 02. Okay, but you also have a match, WrestleMania 18, where Undertaker uh, faces Flair. And in the um, in the documentary, <laughs> you like that? You, so, so Mango, I know you meant to steal Vito's Thunder, but you actually stole mine. Oh, wait, hold yep, on. It's How did true. it get under my keycap? Congrats, congrats. So you're, you, have, you have this vendetta against Vito that is so, <laughs> that is so vitriol. That you didn't even bother to read the Google document that's right next to you. <laughs> okay, you call that the double cross in in podcast terms. I just got okay. Uh, damn. Then damn. I'd like to talk about a Jim Cornette segment on Raw. <laughs> <laughs> so fuck you guys. You know what? Just like the Undertaker's career, this show has gone on too long. <laughs> yeah, it has kind of gone on too long. But let me just say, let me just ask you guys one question. We'll go around quickly, and then uh, don't forget, we have to do really, really quick for the last for the last fifty two minutes of the, the podcast. We're going to do trivia, okay? So we got fifty two more minutes. <laughs> you guys ready? <laughs> okay. Um, all right. So I forget what I just said, but trivia. Fifty two minutes. Yeah. Trivia. Let's just go to trivia. Let's just I go got to some, trivia. I got some questions for you. I got a couple jokey ones I want to start off with. Love it. Okay. Uh, how many times did Sid shit his pants during the WrestleMania 13 match? Ooh, that's Just a good question. Once. Just once? I'm one too many. Three times. <laughs> <laughs> 300 <laughs> times. Okay, here's another funny one. It's actually not that funny, but how many botched jackhammers would it take for Goldberg to beat The Undertaker? <laughs> Just one. <laughs> Just need one. <laughs> and, Dude, uh, he was centimeters away from snapping his neck. Oh, yeah. I had never seen, like, looking back on it and watching The Last Ride, they had a clip of it. And I was like, holy shit, I forgot it was that bad. Like, I could have. And the Saudi Arabia things are on, like, a Tuesday at, like, noon. So, like, you watch it because it's, like, Friday night there. <laughs> In Saudi Arabia, it's four days later. Yeah, we we got some weird time travel stuff going on here. <laughs> yeah, it's like Tuesday. It's Tuesday morning here. It's Saturday night there. And uh, uh, so, anyways, that's what fucked up the Undertaker. Well, that's what happened, though. You know that, right? It was past the Undertaker's bedtime. <laughs> you know, it's like the guy. The guy's usually having his tea and going to bed at that point. He's like fifty something years old. That line of demarcation. Usually he's he's uh he's got the early bird special at Denny's and then he's home by then. Okay, so uh during his WWE career, The Undertaker, what was his mania record? If you want to ding ding ding, you can. Was it twenty four and two? No. You're close. It's twenty five and two. No. It's bet it's twenty three and two, isn't it? Twenty twenty three and two. I knew I was off by one. 
here's a good question. Here's a good question. Um, out of his 23 wins, 20 were by pin or submission. There were three matches who had a different ending. Do you guys remember what they were? One was a casket match. Right. Who was he facing? Mabel. Mark Henry. I, oh, come on. Mark Henry is correct. Uh, and there were two more. And they, they weren't pinfall or submission. Yeah, we talked about one earlier. Oh, oh, wait. Was it when he hung Big Boss Man in the Hell in a Cell? No, no that, that was considered a I don't remember if he pinned him or if he just hung him in the match. I don't think that was at a WrestleMania. Uh, no, it was. It was WrestleMania 15. Oh, was it? Okay. Yeah. That was considered a submission. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> That's <laughs> That's he hung him. He, he was buried alive. One was buried alive. And he was sla- one was buried alive. Who yep. was that? And then uh, didn't. Wait, Vince McMahon, right? It happened no, like three months ago. Oh, it was uh, yeah, it was AJ Styles. Yeah, yeah. Oh, so oh, that's hey, Vince Russo action. There's a little swerve. <laughs> so they're, yeah, they're basically like the the. We don't know what's going to end this match. They just put him underground, and <laughs> that was it. Yeah, that's it's over. Probably the best way to. But there's one them. more. I can't believe I can't believe you guys aren't remembering this. That wasn't a pinfall you- or submission. Wait, it was a count out. It was a count out. And wasn't it Jake the Snake? He he tombstone them. Guys, it there was a real tall guy, a very tall guy with fake muscles. Oh my god. Uh, I was just belly. talking about this match. Yes. <laughs> you are an idiot. Sorry. I told you that. <laughs> I'm such an idiot. When podcast hosts don't listen. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so it was Giant Gonzalez at WrestleMania 9. That's a, a good question. That's a good one. All right. I got like two more. I got 200 more. Okay. Bring them on. Right. Just bring um, it. So before I have three, but there might be more. But um, before The Undertaker was in the WWE, what names did he go by? This was like one 89. was some weird uh, big Mark Calloway or something like that. M- mean Mark? Was it mean, mean Mark, Mark Calloway. <laughs> yeah. Mean Mark Calloway. I was going to say big. Um, it was big. There's a yeah, couple funny ones. Big. Ah, it wasn't gosh. the red hurt, was it? Wasn't he part of the skyscrapers or something? There was some. He was part of some tag team in WCW for a little while, but I forget. He was the master of <laughs> pain. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> he was also Texas Red. Texas okay. Red. That was it. Yeah, that, you were close. I was close I with almost, Big Red Hurt. I almost said you were close. Red. I don't know why I wanted to say that. This is so stupid. Big. I was gonna say Big Red too, but it's so why, weird because you don't see. Um. Okay. So in W, I already kind of went over this a little bit, but in WWE storyline, what happened to the W? What happened to Undertaker's parents? Didn't they get burned? Well, in they a got burned alive because of Kane. Exactly. Well, no, it's it because Kane of the Undertaker. Or... It was because of the Undertaker. Yeah, and that's yeah. Kane got burnt. That's why he needed to wear the mask the whole time. Yeah, right. And then he got a, elected a mayor. Yep, <laughs> a couple of years. That's true. <laughs> okay. Where the real terror begins. I have a funny one for you guys. Not really funny, but this is just kind of crazy. I couldn't believe this. Um, how many times has the Undertaker in any of his gimmicks, be it Mean Red, Big Calloway, whatever the hell? How many times has he faced Jerry Lawler? You're never going to get it, but I, he faced him 42 times. Oh, my God. What? I didn't wow. know that. Wow. And he lost 17 times. 
Wow. That must have That's been the stat. Smoky Mountain wow, series. Yeah. And he, he only beat him nine times. It's kind of crazy. Jerry the yeah. King Lola. Yeah. <laughs> it was back in the Smoky Mountain. Right. Okay. All right. So that's all I got. Do you guys have any questions? Uh, I, I got <laughs> those are great uh, trivia I'm, questions. That, that's awesome. Should do this every week. Yeah, sure. I'm surprised you guys didn't get all of them. Yeah, let's just keep this going for another hour and a half. That, yeah, it's a marathon yeah, so, for our listeners. What do you guys think about um, the stick up on the bridge? Yeah, some get through it up there. Hey, uh, uh, last question. Vito, do you remember your first blowjob? Um, yes, of course. How long did it take the guy to come? Oh. oh. I'm sorry. This is going off the rails. All right. Uh, is this going to be edited out? Let's hope. Does anyone have any outgoing thoughts? I got nothing. It was stolen by you. Yeah, I, I, I have something. I, well, first of all, to close my segment on The Undertaker, I thought this was great. He deserved a full segment, you know, but... Beyond that, you know, I, I, I want to bring something back. I was watching these uh, uh, the old Raws, and there were a couple couple really good ones. And there was a time, I don't know if you remember this, but Vince McMahon did a PSA on the Attitude Era and how they were changing, how things were going. And they gave a warning to, like, the crowd about the how it was going to be more, you know, adult-rated. And it's like, bring that back, dude. Like, bring some of that back. Like, I don't understand. He could do it then, can't do it now. Corporately owned. I don't know. But then a few weeks later, they did a segment. Jim Cornette came on and gave this awesome tirade. I'm going to post it on our Twitter page. But it was talking about how wrestling sucks. And, like, just, dude, just a verbal beatdown of wrestling. And my point with this is that I want to talk about is, like, that's how I feel now. I want to I want to keep this positive too, but like that's exactly how I feel right now. Yeah. So I'm going to post that on uh, on Twitter for you guys to check out. Um, it's 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 awesome. It's like pro- it goes on for probably I don't know. I want to say two or three minutes. It's probably two or three minutes too long, but it's still awesome. That's pretty good stuff. I I will say um, watching and kind of going back. You know, a couple episodes ago, Vito, you were talking about just the simple fact that. The network was putting on um, as much content as they could for The Undertaker, uh, for Survivor Series, uh, and just kind of the celebration of The Taker's career. I don't know from a um, corporate send-off. I don't know what more the company could have did for him, but what was done was classy. It was much needed. Everything that was done for it, the documentaries – the send-off, I mean, we know that the send-off could have been better, but damn, was that cool. That WrestleMania stuff. match with yeah. AJ Styles, nothing like we've ever seen before because it's just it's just not done. What was done with that man for 30 years was just, you know, we could joke as long as we want about the walks or, uh, but what he did, he put he put the company on his back. And he was fantastic. And uh, he's the leader of my Mount Rushmore. Love it, Bobby Stone. Love every second of that. You can't beat that with a stick. Believe that. <laughs> That's on the bridge. That was up there by the kid. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> How long did it take the guy to come? All right. So signing off, strutting from Gorilla. We'll see you in two weeks. I hope you enjoyed this three-hour podcast. Have a good we one. We now return your perception of reality to you. Until next time.